The Intelligentsia Report has been brought to you by The Intelligentsia Agency, Inc., an invitation-only professional speakers and consultants agency located in the business district of Tyson's Corner, Virginia. We invite you to learn more about The Intelligentsia Agency, Inc. by visiting www.theintelligentsia.co or calling us toll-free at one 777 7993. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Intelligency Report. You're here with Bianca, and our special guest on this week's segment has worked in broadcasting for 35 years. After graduating from Howard University with a major in radio and television production, he began his career as the host of Quiet Storm and also hosted the talk show TMI, Too Much Information, on XM Sirius Radio. Today, our special guest is the host and executive producer of Planet Vehicle, Women's Business Report, and Planet Jazz. When he's not working in television or radio, our guest is widely renowned for hosting and being an exceptional master of ceremonies for events nationwide. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Alvin Jones. Hey, hello there. Hi, Alvin. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. You must have a old press release because I am uh, happy to say that I'm now celebrating 40 years in broadcasting. Oh, and, wow. Well, uh, congratulations. Well, thank you so much for being here, Alvin. And I first also want to congratulate you on the premiere of your eighth season of Planet Vehicle. And before you. we die... You're, you're very welcome. And before we get into the academic and intellectual questions, would you mind sharing with us and our listening audience just a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and how exactly you got into the business that you're in? First of all, I consider myself, my, my biggest accomplishment is being uh, the proud son of Lois and Willie Jones. Those are my parents. And uh, I think most of my uh, accomplishments have come from their inspiration, their direction, and uh, their guidance. I'm sure you're making them very proud. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I chose them. Well, no, they chose <laughs> me, I think about it. <laughs> I just got lucky. You know, I thank God I got lucky. As a child, I was always considered smart, and I knew things. But, you know, it's funny. I think I was the Sheldon Cooper before Sheldon Cooper was Sheldon Cooper, meaning you could be smart, you could... You know, but people don't want to listen because they don't care. And it's funny because I think I had a little bit of Sheldon Cooper, but a little bit of Richard Pryor and Steve Harvey. So, mm. um, you know, you try to tell people, ah, da, 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 da. And we'd have a test in elementary school and the teacher brought the room and everybody goes, Alvin, what's the answer to this? Because they knew I was smart. I'm like, look, y'all should have studied like I did. But what I realized was it doesn't matter if you have a good message if no one's listening. So it got started. Um, I tell folks my career started when it comes to broadcasting in high school. I did the morning announcements, you know, that please stand for the pledge kind of thing. Uh, I, what I loved about that, it was my opportunity to, to kind of try this thing out. I wanted to, to be a broadcaster. Uh, and I think my kind of my my mission in life was formed on August 28th, 1963. I was four years old 
my parents and my older cousins went down to the Lincoln Memorial for the March on Washington. I stayed over in uh, Northeast Washington over by Gallaudet University with my cousin mm-hmm. Sylvia. And I remember watching black and white TV and Sylvia and I were sitting there and I was trying to see if I could find my parents in the crowd. And I think that is the turning point for me for two reasons. Number one, knowing that there were 250,000 people and trying to find my parents there, I saw the, the strength of television and broadcasting. And secondly, they went down for the March on Washington. So I, I at four, realized the need of getting involved in things that are bigger than yourself that will help other people in humanity. So that's one of the reasons I got into broadcasting. I realized to be a broadcaster, to, to get out there and have it where people will listen to what you have to say. Because it doesn't matter what you have to say if people won't listen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another important moment for me, I think, that helped me get to the level that I got to was halftime in a football game. We were losing. (laughs) And we go in at halftime, and the coach says, Mr. Hay, Coach Hay says, Irvin Hay, I, I still carry what he told me with me today. And he goes, you know, people say it's not if you win or lose, but how you play the game. He said, that's BS. He says, people don't like losers. And he said something, and myself and the other guys on the team, we looked at each other like, oh, snap. He says, yeah, you can lose if you want to, but the girl that you're interested in, when you get to McDonald's, she'll be gone with somebody else because people don't like losers. And so I realized if you're not going to win, nobody's going to pay attention to you. So I realized that, A, even though I was smart and I had ideas and thoughts, it doesn't matter if nobody's listening. And if you're not number one, nobody cares. So that's kind of how I formed my, my career. It's wanting mm-hmm. to be number one, doing Quiet Storm or, uh, you know, being a BET and creating video vibration soft notes, Midnight Love, Rap City, you know, creating Planet Jazz or TMI, too much information. And actually, the XM show TMI we, they offered me that show. Well, they offered me a show and I had to come up with an idea for, I'm like, okay, I like, I like a lot of different things. How do I, how do I do a show and does it, how do I not narrow it in scope? And a lot of times I'm the type of person that has all this trivia that has background. People are like, oh, that's just TMI, too much information. I'm like, okay, well, since I talk too much information, let's just make the show. TMI, too much information. So um, that was a good run. Uh, so we, we, we did that from 2003 until 2007, then I went over C-SPAN. The other thing with me has always been, I don't want to get into something once it's popular. I want to get into it when there's no telling what's going on. So with Quiet Storm, I started doing Quiet Storm like a year after it, a year and a half after it started. So Quiet Storm started at WHUR just at uh, one station. Melvin Lindsay was doing it on the weekends. He graduated in 77. Then Don Roberts took over. And when I got to Howard, I was coming in at midnight after Don Roberts. And uh, Don would kind of clue me into what was going on. You know, you know, the crowd is doing this and people are running. People just want to hear the music. They don't want to hear a lot of talking. It's raining. Mm-hmm. So I'm playing songs like I Wish It Would Rain, Rainy Days is, and Mondays always getting down. And so I learned from him what was going on. And when Melvin came back Monday through Friday, 
as a, a sophomore starting my first semester on radio, I had the two people, the one who created it and the one who started to perfect it, just infusing to me what the show was about. It wasn't just slow music. It was about a mood. It was a way of communicating. And so let's go back to what I talked about learning. Number one, if you ain't number one, nobody cares. Number two, if you got a message, you got to figure a way to communicate it. And third, you got to get people to listen. And so that whole thing of being a part of a quiet storm was a phenomena which helped to build. And, you know, it wasn't until like the late nineties, I understood what a brand was, but that helped to build a brand because even today I can run into people who know me from quiet storm. I started doing a quiet storm in 79. I stopped doing it in 1990. So basically I'm coming up on almost 30 years since I stopped doing Quiet Storm. That's a whole mortgage paid off, but people still re remember that. Even with BET, um, when I started, there was no cable in, in D.C. It was in Maryland. So when I told people I worked for Black Entertainment Television, they thought I was working for Howard University's uh, TV station. And it started, the whole video department was in a conference room upstairs in Bethesda. So we didn't know where that was going and for me that's what i want to get into i want to be in things when it's first starting off with because that's the most creative it's the most real once it becomes popular it's not fun anymore because everybody's faking it everybody wants to do it because it's cool i've always been an innovator so i've always been looking to create the next thing with planet vehicle that was the idea it's kind of an entertainment tonight show for the automotive industry but Automobiles are so part of your, of your lifestyle. Um, you know, when, if you're a teenager, an automobile means freedom. Um, when you start working, it means dependable transportation. When you have a family, it means I can carry my little ones in. You know, when you make some money, it's a way of saying I've made money. And there's so many things that are going on. If you look at the automotive industry, most of your technological innovations have gone through the auto industry before when NASA was uh, launching uh, rockets, then all the technology went into NASA, you know, get us on the moon, space shuttles, the whole nine yards. Once NASA shut down, all that technology went into cars. So now you've got cars that can drive themselves, you've got cars that can communicate the whole nine yards. So for me, it's always, where's the next thing going? And that's one of the reasons we created Women's Business Report. Believe it or not, Bianca, I ran into a woman that owned a body shop. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This is such a, a, a different effect, a woman owning a body shop. Because think about it. If, if I dent my car and I go to a body shop, Mr. Jones, don't worry about it. But if Bianca goes in to a body shop because she dented a car, she's going to get that look from a man like, hmm, women can't drive. So it was just a paradigm shift that this woman was a running a body shop and mm -hmm. she had survived her husband. It was his dream. Uh, when she met him, she came on board to help him with his finances to keep it so that that shop could stay alive. Second marriage for both of them. His kids thought she would just sell it and go on about a business. She wanted to keep that legacy going. And actually she sold it to another woman. If you think about oh, wow. it, it was, a ma, it was a mom and pop operation. So if you think about Old Stride and Macro and Collision Center, you've got all of these big organizations. If you go into Ray's Auto Body, 
what you will see, it looks like it's probably wallpaper, but it is, it's just plaques and pictures for over 50 years of the different little leagues that they supported in the neighborhood. And that woman, Joyce Arndt, I said, you know, there's gotta be other women like her. And that's why we created Women's Business Report because we wanted to showcase and highlight women that are doing things like that. So with Women's Business Report, uh, we had on in October, which most women don't know, October is National Women's Small Business Month. We had Dr. Jen Welter. She was the first female coach in the NFL. She's now coaching the, Ari uh, the Atlanta team in the new league. She was a coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you've had women like Dolly Obroy, who was on my first show. She just got was like a $150 million contract uh, mm -hmm. with the United States government. And so there are all these women that are doing these great things. And most of them who are successful have come through hard times, hard situations, being doubted. You know, it's almost like a gospel song. A doubted, abused, born, you know, all of the things that could happen to you that really all it does is, you know, the more you burn gold, gold doesn't change. It's just the impurities get burnt off. So you have all of these women that are doing great things. And for me, the quiet storm was cool and BET is cool. But what I really like is Women's Business Report. It, and as another thing, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the women. I have aunts that when I was young, my aunt Rosa and my aunt Ashley had corner stores. So I'm six, seven, eight. I go in the store, you want some ice cream cookies? I don't have any money. Don't worry about it. So these aunts, because they own the store, could give me free candy and cookie. That's why I love women in business. That is amazing, Alvin. That's just incredible. I'm floored by the work that you're doing. And I really like how you make it a point to infuse your essence, your authenticity into each and every project that you do. And especially with Women's Business Report, we don't actually get to see a lot of African-American and other uh, minority women in positions of power in business. And so with your show, would you say that you are still looking for different formats of innovation for women in the workplace? Well, it's two things, Bianca, and thanks for asking about that. Number one, um, think about the movie Hidden Figures. Mm -hmm. It's been there, it just has not been acknowledged. There are really, I think there's 163 million women business owners around the world. There's at least 10 million women business owners in the United States. And what I think is needed, there, there needs to be a pep rally, there needs to be uh, a promotion, a celebration for these women, these, these sisters of the struggle that have been doing these things quietly without a lot of fanfare. You know, women, um, women do a lot of things for folks and don't say anything. And a lot of times women are afraid to ask. The reason I think men make more money than women is because they ask. I think the reason more people buy chicken eggs than duck eggs, because when a duck lays an egg, just be quiet. When the chicken lays an eggs, they cluck to let you know they're there. So all I'm doing is shining a light, you know. Um, coming from music, I have musical Tourette syndrome, so I can find a song or make a song for almost anything. And so if you think about Parliament Funkadelic, everybody's got a little light under the sun. 
Um, mm-hmm. If you look at Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, all about love. If there ain't no beauty, you got to make some beauty. Have mercy. There's so many things that should be illuminated that aren't because we're worried about whether Cardi B gets a wedgie. Come on. <laughs> While she's twerking. It's like, where are the priorities? And so for me, it's about, as they say, calculating right. Let's refocus. I, I want to know about the woman who has a security company that makes sure that when these red carpet events that the ET and other folks have, she's mm-hmm. in charge of making sure that those people's lives who are celebrities, that they get in safely and they get out safely. Those are the things that I want to know about. I want to know about people like an April Pearson with Airfax, who, whose mother said, you know, you and your father need to work together. And when her father passed, her father's attorney said the company's not worth anything because your father's gone. And this woman saved the airline industry hundreds of millions of dollars in this coding. And so what I realized, especially with Women's Business Report, there are all these stories where people were doubting, where people were um, dismissing, underestimating, undervaluing, and marginalizing, as my, as my buddy Joe Madison would say. But these folks are so focused that they don't even care. Because the thing about it, as long as you're focused, the image is clear. It may be blurry to other people and they can't see it. But these women are so focused on what they do that they defeat the odds. And I always go, I don't care about the odds. The bigger the odds, the bigger the payout. As long as it's something to one. If the odd is 100 to zero, then you ain't got a chance. But give me a million to one odds, that means I can make a million dollars and all I need is a dollar to get in. I'm taking it. Exactly. Well, like I said, it goes back to what my coach told you. People don't like losers. If you're going to do this, you got to be the best at it. The other thing that I look at is I know that what I've been given has been given by God. And the ideas and the things that I come up with are things that are given to me by God. So if God gives me something, how can a human being tell me not to do it or it can't be done or they don't like it? I'm like, excuse me? Really? With that attitude? I see why God didn't give it to you because you wouldn't know what to do with it. Right. Alvin, if you don't mind me asking. And this goes just a little bit beyond uh, the initial question. But what is it in you, if you know, and if you're willing to share with the audience, that has driven you to where you are able to acknowledge that you were here for a specific purpose? I think when I was two, you know, you would sing that song, Jesus loves me, yes, I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, mm-hmm. Jesus loves me. Um, I look at my, my aunts, my uncles, my great grandparents, my, you know, all of that community and family that's had that love around me. They've sheltered me in love and let me know what it is. But it also means that I know when something's wrong. Anyway, I, don't get me wrong. A lot of people don't like me because I'm difficult. I'm difficult with people who want to harm me or someone that I care about. Or you could be harming somebody I don't even know. I just, Put it this way, if you're raised in love, you can't tolerate hate. You can't tolerate injustice. You can't tolerate someone being treated unfairly. So that's always been within me. Um, Mm -hmm. And because I realized love is the most powerful thing, because I realized treating a person the right way is important, 
that's where I am. I think the other thing is, like I said, my parents, my mother's one of the most gracious people in the world and I'm her only son. So I got all that benefit. My father's getting ready to turn 89 and he's still active. He's the only person I know uh, this past summer. I was working with him in his landscaping business. I'm getting ready to turn 60. My father's 80 and getting ready to turn 89. He alpha mails me out in the yard. You know, he's cutting grass and getting stuff done. So it's having those kind of things. It's like I said, being full of faith means you can't fear something. Being full of love means you can't tolerate someone being unloving. And I think that's what's kind of sustained me. And I think that love and faith is all a part of God. I'm not the most religious person. I'm extremely spiritual. And like I said, at four years old, I realized the importance of getting involved and helping people. So that to me is, is my mission more than anything else, is getting involved, helping people, and especially the folks that, you know, it's easy to help something that's in your interest. That's what I like about Women's Business Report. I'm not a woman, uh, even though I have a business, but I'm helping people who just need to be shown that A, you are supported, that you are legitimate, and if that inspires someone because I know anyone that I inspire who does well is going to inspire someone else. And that becomes that whole, the thing of being viral. Mm-hmm. I've never been a loss for words. Now, here's what I'll give you a little sidebar. When I was in, you know, living in North Carolina before we moved here, I would go out in my, my Aunt Maddie's church, uh, backyard. My great aunt Maddie lived to be 101, seven months and two days. I would go under the tree and I'd start talking and everybody, you know, like I was a preacher. So everybody thought that I was going to be a preacher. But see, that's what they thought. They didn't even realize I just talked. They had it half right. So So I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite jazz song? You know, that's hard. If you ask me what my favorite song of all time, I would have to say Fly Me to the Moon, Nat King Cole. Okay. Um, Jazz songs. There's so many artists, um, you know, with Planet Jazz. The great thing is not only do I get a chance to play the music, but I get a chance to sit down and interview the artists. So you've got your Norman Browns, your Paul Taylors, your Marion Meadows, Walter Beasley, uh, Paul Brown, loved Al Jarreau, George Duke, uh, Joe Sample. Those are people that we've lost. Uh, Nancy Wilson. Oh, I got to tell you my Nancy Wilson story. All right. Okay. When I was about six, seven, eight. Now, this is the other thing. A lot of things that I've been involved in, I have to give credit to my dad. My dad had a gas station that I worked at from nine to 11. So that's probably why I'm in automobiles. He used to love to listen to Petey Green. That's probably why I got into doing talk shows. But he also liked jazz music and Nancy Wilson. So I had said to myself in elementary school, if I ever met Nancy Wilson, I was going to ask her to marry me. It was her and Gladys Knight. So, so of course, uh-huh. Nancy Wilson comes to BET, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting there, and I go, excuse me, will you marry me? She goes, what? I said, don't even worry about it. You ain't got to say yes. I said, <laughs> when I was young, I said, if I ever met you, this is what was going to happen. She says, okay, fine. And so then oh. I told someone, and they didn't believe me. So I saw her again. I'm like, they didn't believe me. I need a picture of, of myself on my knee asking you to marry me. She says, fine, no problem. And so I've been trying to find that picture since she passed. 
because that was the whole thing. I don't care what y'all said. I asked Nancy Wilson to marry me. Because if you wow. think about it, in the 60s when she was, she was class. You know, on the pop side, you had Diana Ross, which, you know, I don't care. Y- y'all can be in the beehive, but I'm in the, I'm in the Ross, I'm on the Ross wagon. Um, mm-hmm. Because she set that standard. But on that jazz, sophisticated side, it was Nancy Wilson. And, um, but yeah, trying to find songs, I, you know, we've, we're now working on music projects. Matter of fact, the theme for Planet Jazz and Winner's Business Report is a song that uh, I wrote. A buddy of mine, Rob Goyena, um, who's known as Rob G, is the producer on it. And one of the reasons we decided, because, you know, you do YouTube and other things, if you use somebody else's music, you don't have license, they'll, they'll take it down. So I figured we just mm-hmm. create our own music. So the theme song for Women's Business Report and Planet Jazz are universal. We just, you know, we're just going to put music out. But I've always had a love for music, the way that it communicates, the way it talks. There's a song I was listening to the other day, uh, Esquinas uh, by Javon. It became Sawyer Say by Manhattan Transfer, but originally... When I heard it, it was in Portuguese, and I had no idea what the heck he was saying, but it was just beautiful song. So music is so universal. It's a way of reaching. It's a way, um, listen, the Isley Brothers, um, you know, that whole idea that a song can illustrate something that you want to say but couldn't figure out how to say it. They would say, might as well write my name on a card that can say it better, but the music can be able to, you can hear this song. That's why people have theme songs, songs that they listen to when they, when they work out. Or if you listen, if you check out the locker rooms, you'll notice, you know, the guys have their headsets on and they're getting them, they got some music that's getting them into wherever that is. Um, there are certain songs that remind you of your aunts, of an old girlfriend or boyfriend. So music is just so universal. Now, with that experience, experience and that expertise in mind do you feel you bring that into your energy and being an mc and a host um yeah it's funny because i'm looking at a picture as you're talking to me it's me like jumping up in the air um i've been working with girls on the run northern virginia for about 11 years now they brought me mm-hmm. in as their is their mc dj it's a 5k run and I don't know if you know about Girls on the Run, but uh, most jurisdictions, they do two runs, one in the fall and one in the spring. So Girls on the Run is an after-school program in most uh, elementary schools, girls between the age of 8 and 13. So it's self-esteem, it's enrichment, it's confidence building. And so they, you know, they, they have classes, but they also do the running. And then uh, in, in May and then December, they have these 5K races. And I love it because you have the girls, there's so much energy. And the parents are there, so I always tell the parents, if your daughter beats you, you have to clean a room for two weeks because that's on page 17 of the Apple Terms of Agreement. Um, The first time we did it, it was snowing, and it was 6,500 people. And, you know, when we started, the sun wasn't even up because it was December. You got 6,500 people. How do you get 6,500 people in the snow to have a good time? Um, but what I realized, because there are girls between the age of 8 and 13, they've got this energy. And just having all that energy combined, it just took everything to the top. So we had a great time, and I have a great time doing it. 
And they love me, but I realize why. I'm just a glorified Michael. I walk to all the schools and ask who they are and what's going on. Uh, but you know what, Bianca, the best part, whenever we do, because it's now grown to we're doing two, one on Saturday, one on Sunday for Northern Virginia because it's so large. So you've got yeah. about 4,000 people for a 4K race on a Saturday and then another 4,000 on a Sunday. But you know what the coolest thing is, is when we find someone who has a birthday and 4,000 people sing happy birthday to her. That is amazing. I'm sure they love that. Oh, yeah. But not only does the person who has the birthday love it, but the people love it because they get to say everybody knows happy birthday and everybody's cheering. And so what you realize, you just want something to feel good about. The one thing about being an MC, I think my strongest suit is if I'm the MC for this event, we're going to have a good time. Because here's what I realized. You came here, you took time to be somewhere because you wanted it to be a pleasant experience. And all I have to do is say, okay, we're going to have fun. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you permission to Because think about it. Nobody does at work what we used to do at school. Three o'clock, the bell rings. Everybody comes out that door, happy, running, having a good time. Five o'clock, the whistle blows. Everybody's like, oh, man, I'm ready to go home. And I think we just have to give ourselves permission to have fun. And just to shift gears just a tiny bit, Alvin, mm-hmm. I, I hear the passion in your work. I know that for a fact you love what you do. And I just wanted to ask you, because you've been in this industry for so many years, you have the expertise, you have the willpower and the drive to constantly seek the innovation to where everyone who experiences you or your projects gets a feel for how you are personally. How can the meeting and event planners who hire you understand that by you being the exceptional person and MC that you are, how do you impact their organization's bottom line? Well, the bottom line is it's not, there's, there's, three, there's three levels of an event. There's the preparation, there's the actual event, and how you feel afterward. My goal is that when that person leaves your event, it's something that they remember oh my goodness, can you remember we did this? We had fun. People want to have a good time. But we, these days, everything is like, oh, don't do this, don't do this. You don't want to step out of this. You don't want to be aligned. Mm-hmm. My goal is to make sure that the people that have a good time and they take memories that help them get to the next level. Because everybody wants to get to the next level. Everybody wants to grow. You know, we are living organisms. Organisms have to grow. When you stop growing, you die. And so when organizations have events, they're trying to marshal these folks. This, you know, we call it human capital. We call it human resources. It's actually living human beings that are supplying the energy that can be converted into success, profit, more sales, uh, a better brand, a greater experience. What I'm able to do, and it's real simple, it's not me, it's the people that I'm around. What I have been able to figure out is, 
what is it that's in these people that they're learning to, and learning to do, longing to do, and wanting to do? If I can tap that, then those people get to go to that next level and be better than their bosses thought they were, better than who even they thought they could be. And then when it gets to that next level, it becomes incredible. I've been very fortunate to be in things that are cutting edge, that have this energy, this growth. And those experiences is what I look at. It's like, for example, when I started Women's Business Report, it was something so new that people couldn't get behind. Well, all I did is I went back to 1984 when at BET, we had to beg record companies for music videos because nobody thought it would be viable. When I left BET in 1990, record companies were begging us to place the videos. So sometimes just having that knowledge base of, okay, this is how it starts off. If you think about it, you can look at a sequoia, a hickory, a tall pine, and an oak all started off as little, little acorns. Well, guess what? An acorns, you know, an oak's going to be an oak. You just have to water it and plant it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of folks that are working for companies that are oaks, that are sequoias. What I try to do is help the meeting planner find out how to water and how to plant that acorn so that they have those tall sequoias and those strong hickories and, and the mighty oaks. Love it. Love it, love it. Well, until next time, listeners, this has been the Intelligency Report. Are you looking for a speaker or consultant for your next event? Look no further than the Intelligentsia Agency. We believe that your organization is only as competitive as the information you equip your team and staff with. Call us toll-free at 1-833-777-7993 or at our local office, 703-661-9898 to learn more about what makes our agency the go-to agency for cutting-edge information.